Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 138 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest this week is Christy Lorio, and you can find Christy on both Instagram and Twitter at Christy Lorio, and you can read about her story on the website cancergrad.org. Christy was diagnosed with stage four rectal cancer with metastasis to the brain at age 37. And she came to be diagnosed while studying abroad over in Ireland. She was walking the streets of Ireland and had a seizure. And the story that she shared with me was not only fascinating, but also inspiring. And I know you'll agree. So join me now for my conversation with Christy Lorio. Christy, welcome to We Have Cancer. I, as we were saying before we started recording, I'm seeing all these pictures of you at AliCon up in Boston, the Colorectal Cancer Alliance Conference, which took place in September of 2019, and you and all the amazing people. What was the experience like for you, and was that your first colon cancer conference? It was not my first colon. Well, yes, it was my first colon cancer conference, but um, it's funny because I had just gotten back. I had a kind of a whirlwind of a summer. I had gone to two cancer camps prior to going to the Colectal Cancer Alliance. So I had just gotten back from um, a trip on a first ascent trip, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with first ascent, but um, first ascent it's not a, a cancer convention, but it offers free um, adventure trips for young onset uh, survivors and patients. And then I went on another one oh, two weeks after that with a different organization called the Cassie Hines Shoe Cancer Foundation um, that one took place in northern Michigan. So I've kind of got a lot of interaction with, you know, cancer patients and survivors in a very short amount of time, including the Cancer Alliance Convention. What is it, what was the feeling like to be around other people like you? It was, honestly, it was a kind of overwhelming. It was just, there's so many, in, in terms of the colorectal, um, the colorectal cancer convention, it was a kind of overwhelming, to be honest. I, I had never, um, prior to, to, the, to that, I had never met someone who had rectal cancer before. Well, I had met one woman on one of the Cassie Hines cancer camp, but that was it. So to be surrounded by people was just, it was really, it's, it was really a, a unique experience. I have to say that. You talked about going back to the cancer camps. I noticed something that you tweeted on Twitter recently and you talked about being in control and how being, you know, a cancer patient, as I know all too well, too, you know, you got to give up control and that's really hard. But 
talk about what, you know, your meaning behind that and what, you know, what your thoughts were there. Yeah. Just so many of us think we have control over some aspect of our life, be it just, you know, our day-to-day routines or our health. And I, I really thought I had control over my life as most people do prior to, you know, having cancer. And I'm not a, like a kind of like a control freak type of person, but, you know, I just like some semblance of control over, you know, whatever facet of my life it is, whereas be like, you know, my, my work schedule or, you know, what I'm going to eat that day, you know, like, like little day to day things like that. I'm not even to talk about like grand, you know, life goals or anything. So when I found out I had cancer, as most people, I've just felt like I had the rug, you know, uh, pulled out underneath me. And the cancer camps really gave me some sense of that control back in a couple of ways. One, you know, was I was healthy enough. It was a choice that I made to uh, be able to go to these cancer camps, especially the first descents, because I was rock climbing for a week. I had never rock climbed before. I had done some kind of similar stuff, but never like learning how to, you know, use ropes. And, and so there's pretty adventurous and also kind of scary doing something like that (laughs) for the first time. But it really made me feel like I I did have control over my body. And also I had control over this decision that I was making to, you know, just put myself into that situation. So, so what did it feel like, you know, once you you know, completed these hikes and, you know, what what were you thinking as, as this all happened? Well, before I got diagnosed, I was really active. I was always into hiking and um, I had gotten into physical fitness a lot. I would say like the two years before I got diagnosed and it just gave me a sense of really a big sense of self back that there was something that I was afraid of losing. And I did work out and remained active as active as I could during treatment. So it wasn't like a total loss, but it really helped me reconnect to the things that I love doing prior to, you know, getting sick. How did you come to be diagnosed, Christy? I was, it's kind of a, a crazy story. I was in Ireland I went back to school for, um, to get my MFA in creative writing in 2017. And I was working as the graduate assistant for the writing workshops abroad program, which is the study abroad program. And we go to Ireland every year. And so it was my first, it was my wasn't my first time in Ireland because I had gone on the program as an undergraduate, but um, it was my first time as uh, the graduate assistant, you know, um, assisting the uh, program coordinator, coordinator. So I was in Ireland for two days. The students weren't even there yet, but I was walking around the city alone. I believe it was a Saturday and I had a seizure and I have never had a seizure before. So it was a uh, quite surprising. Didn't really know what is going on. I remained conscious through the whole thing. And then long story short, I was in Ireland for a week and it turns out the seizure was caused by a brain tumor. And I had told doctor that I had, you know, a history of colon cancer in my family. My dad died of colon cancer 17 years ago at the time, 17, now 18 years ago. And 
colon cancer, or actually rectal cancer in my case, had spread to my brain. So that's how I found out. So it started with a brain tumor that they traced back to it originating as rectal cancer? Yeah, yeah. So stage, yeah. So yeah, just stage four rectal cancer. So it went from a, from my butt to my brain, as I like to say. <laughs> we can find all kinds of jokes there, right? So many uh, jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have metastasis to any other organs? That was it. That That was it. I have never heard of a brain metastasis with no other involvement. What did your doctor tell you? They were just they were they were just shocked by it. They you know they seemed really taken back, really surprised by it as well. Especially given my given my age, um, I'm 38. Well, I'm 39 now, but I was 38. This happened June 2018, so just like last summer. So yeah, the whole thing was just yeah, just really shocking. So what was prescribed in, well, first off, so you're in Ireland when you got this diagnosis or yeah. had you come back to the States? So how did you navigate that whole thing? So I did come back to the States, but I was in Ireland for, I was in the hospital in Ireland for a week while they were running tests on me. So I was there, they put me on steroids to, you know, reduce the risk of um, prevent prevent the, uh, you know, having another seizure to reduce the swelling in my brain. And I was there for a week and there were running tests. And then I went, once I found out it, what it was, what that was, you know, colon cancer or, or rectal cancer, I should say, I, we started putting, you know, the things in motion for me to come back home and continue my treatment. I say continue my treatment, but I didn't actually get treatment in Ireland. It was just me in the hospital getting tests done. So to, I guess, I should say, begin my treatment in, in, uh, back home in New Orleans, which is where I live. So yeah, I got on a plane. My husband actually flew out to come and um, get me. Um, thank God for study abroad travel insurance, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, the travel, uh, the insurance company paid for him to come and fly out and get me basically. And then he, we were in Ireland for about five days, I think. Yeah. Five days where we could get, um, we were waiting on like the most direct flight, you know, back. So then I landed, got back to New Orleans. And then the next day I had doctor's appointments. And then I think it was like maybe a week or two weeks later, less than two weeks later, I was having brain surgery. What's the status of your health right now, Christy? Right now, I'm completely done with treatment. So I have entered survivorship. I just got done with uh, my last surgery was in May, and I have no evidence of disease thus far. If I had a button here with big applause, I would push it, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't have one of those buttons, but you deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what an ordeal over a relatively short period of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine what that was like to have to be so far away and make that phone call to your husband. It it was it was so scary, so scary, so devastating, and, and I thought it, I might die in Ireland and never see anyone again. You know, I wasn't really sure what was you know going to happen to me, and in some ways that experience prepped me, really prepped me because I was like, why did this happen? You know, why did this happen the way it did? And in some ways it prepped me because it was like, you know, we all 
no matter we could be in a room full of family and friends and when we get this news or we could you know be by ourselves and across the globe like i was but you know ultimately every one of us when we hear this news we ultimately have to deal with it for ourselves on our own so in a way yeah it was it was that much harder because i was by myself but in a way it helped me the distance in a way maybe process things quickly so i was able to you know i hit like i kept saying like i hit rock bottom and then i just kept going past rock bottom and then so i kind of got that dredged up all these like feelings and fears from you know like i said my dad died of colon cancer so I, I got through and processed those emotions really rapidly. So when I got back home, it was like, okay, like, let's get down to business. What do we have to do to, you know, get through this? So what's changed from who you were before all this happened to where you are now? Uh, that is something that I kind of feel like I'm just now starting to process. I was also a full-time, like a full-time graduate student. And I was working part-time and I kept uh, enrolled in class and I kept, you know, working throughout my, all of my treatment. So it was just kind of like I had the, my foot on the gas pedal the entire time. So now I'm just kind of slowly being able to, you know, process things and, and kind of figure out who I am now. And I, I like to think I'm the same person, you know, maybe just hopefully a, a better version of myself. I just have to kind of like get a crash course and some life lessons in the past 12 months. And it's just been, you know, it, it's, it's been, I mean, of course I would rather have not have gone through cancer, um, but I have, but I have gotten some, you know, good life lessons out of it. It's definitely made me more empathetic. I did not look like I was sick. I got that feedback constantly from people. I, I did lose my hair. I lost my, I didn't lose my eyebrows, but I lost my hair. So a lot of people told me, you know, if you didn't lose your hair, I would have never known that you had cancer. So that was kind of when people tell me that I was like, wow, you know, that's true. Like, and you just never know what someone's going through just by liking, looking at them, you know, and it really made me going through cancer, it's going through treatment, like not sweat the small stuff. I just would really try to let things roll off my back and really just try to take it day by day and just kind of made me appreciate the small things, the little joys in life instead of, you know, losing them and forgetting about them because I was focused on, you know, bigger goals. So what about the impact if there was one on your marriage? Yeah, it, it definitely brought me and my husband closer together, I I think. And it made me appreciate everything my husband does for me. And it made me realize how lucky I am to have someone who is so understanding and so generous um, to, you know, helping me when I needed help. And also, I, I also tried to remember that he needed to be he needed help too because you know he was my caregiver but he can't help me if he's not in a good place so i would really try to keep that in mind and sometimes if i got like frustrated you know something i would really try to um 
remember remind myself to like you know not get angry with him um to go easy on him sometimes if he made me mad because it's like you know we he needs we're in this together obviously you know the physical stuff i was going through and you know i'm the one afraid of you know that i'm gonna lose my life over this you know but then he also i had to remember you know he's afraid of losing his wife so uh yeah, it was really important for me to to make sure he's he was being taken care of as well. How long have you been together? We began together for eighteen years, and we've been married for. We just had our fifteenth wedding anniversary. Congratulations! Yeah, so yeah, and he uh, he we met shortly after my dad passed away. So I think that had some, or actually before my dad passed away, um, we met and got got together. So I think. I think that probably had a lot to do with the longevity of our relationship because he saw me at like one of the hardest times in my life and certainly saw some saw me through some times when I wasn't my best self and gave me a lot of grace. So, you know, in a way it's like man, he he stuck through me through that, you know, those bad times, you know, like we could get through that, we can get through this. I guess he gets to sign up for another 15, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. Knowing your family history, Christy, did that make you extra vigilant to keep an eye out for symptoms or not so much? I didn't. I honestly, I knew I was supposed to start getting colonoscopies every year at 37, but I didn't recognize the symptoms. In hindsight, I definitely had symptoms, but I didn't really think, you know, like you hear about it all the time when you're listening to people's colorectal sore, like cancer stories, people talk, you know, X, Y, and Z symptom up to something else. And I very much was in that same vein. I had radically changed my diet. I had started running and exercising and I was eating like more fiber and, you know, like, so I was like, oh, you know, must be my diet, you know, but so if it wasn't for the seizure, it might have gone, it might have gone on even longer without me uh, recognizing the symptoms. Wow. I want to change tacks a little because something caught my attention. I was looking at your social media profiles and for our listeners, if you want to check Christy out, uh, she's quite active on both Twitter and Instagram, both at Christy Lorio. So that's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-L-O-R-I-O. And both profiles, what jumped out at me is you say you're quitting stage four colorectal cancer. I'd like to do that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> very much so. Tell me what that's about. What made you come up with that? I, I just really, everything is so, is still so new for me. You know, I mean, I've just been in this for a year and I, I really like. I really hesitate to say like I'm in a remission. I hesitate to say that I'm a survivor. I'm not a patient anymore because I'm not in active treatment. But I'm also, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, just the word survivor just sits funny with me. So I was really trying to figure out a way to convey to people. Yes, I've had, you know, yes, I went through this, but I, you know, I'm not getting chemo anymore. Like I'm, I'm like. 
you know, I'm, I'm pretty okay. But also like, I just stopped, you know, every, like I just stopped, uh, like had my radiation, had radiation in March. And then, like I said, my last surgery in May. So it's like, well, what, 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 are, what is the word choice I should, you know, go with? And I was like, ah, oh, quitting. Yeah. I'm trying to quit this something. So, so that's why I chose quitting. <laughs> Leave it to the creative writer <laughs> to come up with just the right words. <laughs> so you 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 mentioned earlier that you know paraphrase that you're just you know trying to figure out where you're going from here where would you like to go from here what are your, what are some of the things that you're you're looking to accomplish you know either personally or professionally personally just really focusing on just trying to get back to the things i loved before so i'm really active it's really important for me to be active i'm not a person that can typically live a very sedentary life. I kind of get antsy. I'm the person who's like, if I'm on the phone with somebody, I'm pacing up and down, you know, I just can't sit still. So I am trying to just get back to the level activity level that I was before. I actually had went back to Ireland this past summer, which was, which was a really uh, a good experience for me. I wasn't sure that I could do it. I said I was going to, this was going to start and end in Ireland. And then I, yeah, went, went back and it was very transformative for me to be able to go back to the place where, you know, this trauma occurred and just kind of reclaim it as my own. But uh, I bring up Ireland because I, part of the program is you just walk a lot. So I was walking uh, 45 to 65 miles a week there. So it was, wow. yeah, it was a lot of walking. So my calves muscles came back with a vengeance after, after, <laughs> you know, after being a little bit after um, that. And yeah, I've just tried to stay as physically healthy as possible, try to, you know, ease as well as I can. And I go roller skating a couple times a week. Uh, I was a runner prior to diagnosis. So I'm trying to get back into running, trying to get back into strength training at the gym. So that stuff is really important to me. Professionally, we'll see how where it goes. I before before um, all of this, I, like I said, it was in the um, MFA program for creative writing, and and when people ask me what do I want to do after graduate? My answer has changed to, well, get a job with health insurance. So that's my main priority right now, to be honest. And it, unfortunately, I do feel like sometimes uh, I'm going backwards in my career instead of forwards because of my diagnosis. And I just need to focus on my health for first and foremost. And then if the career stuff comes, it comes. That's great. But if I don't have health insurance, then, you know, that's going to be a... Uh, I can't sacrifice health insurance for my career at this point. Yeah, that makes total sense. Did you wind up having to have an ostomy? I did. Yeah, I had an early ostomy. I had one for nine weeks while I was healing from my uh, what I call my big surgery. I had I had two surgeries for well, besides you know brain surgery. I don't. Know, I kind of forget that I had a brain surgery. <laughs> that, that one's not the big one. Okay. That's not the big one. <laughs> most, people, most people would say that's the big one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, you think of brain surgery as something really scary. And of course it is. But at that point I had, and I'll, I'll come back to your you know, question in a second. But at that point I had just so many things up in the air. By the time I was had 
ready, getting ready for a brain surgery, I wasn't scared at all because it was like, finally something's happening. Like finally I'm getting like, you know, we're making progress and, you know, in my treatment. And the, the brain surgery was uh, July 5th, yeah, July 5th, 2018. So it's, you know, a little bit more removed than the, um, than the rectal um, surgeries and treatments. But um, yeah, I had, uh, they took out, removed my rectum completely and uh, made what for people with colon, colorectal cancer will know what I'm talking about. They made what's called a G pouch. But for those who don't know, it looks like a J and they're basically creating a rectum out of, you know, your intestines. So I had the ileostomy back for nine weeks and then I had the reversal in March, uh, reversal surgery in May for that. And that's going okay? It's Yeah, it's going actually a lot better than what I thought. Um, I was really, like my dad used to always say, expect the worst and you wouldn't be disappointed. Uh, so I, uh, I was really bracing myself because I've heard horror stories about people getting their bags reversed and having just, you know, really a tough time with it. But so far I have had I mean, could things be better? Of course, but, um, you know, I have, I'm, I've been really fortunate in that, um, I've had it a lot better than some people and everything that I'm dealing with, um, is, is quite, is quite manageable. So I don't know if you met Courtney Forger at the AlleyCon in Boston, but she, she's been on the show twice. And a lot of what she talked about when we spoke a few weeks back was she did have the reversal and reverse the reversal because she was so miserable and talked about how much better for her, her life is, you know, uh, with the, with the permanent ostomy. And, and I, I, I hear that all the time. It really varies so much from individual to individual. So I'm glad to hear that it's worked out fairly well for you. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I did listen to her her um, podcast when she was in the show. And yeah, I did. I, I definitely get that. I definitely get why people want to want to want to keep it because what, right after like the first couple of weeks after I had one, when after the re- reversal, I was in a lot of pain. Um, it was just like a, a um, just a lot of trial and error for me, just figuring out like what my body needed in terms of like supplements. So, you know, things to take like laxative stool softeners. Oh, like well, I had one time where I took too many and that, you can imagine what that would be like. Oh, um, yeah. And I wasn't at home. Um, I was, you know, out, out um, traveling. Um, so yeah, I can definitely see why people would choose would opt to have one permanently but fortunately for me that wasn't the case but you know it's like yeah it's things yeah but are things back to normal like before surgery Uh, absolutely not you know but but what i'm dealing with is is very like i said very manageable for me good good for you well, I'm so grateful to your husband for, uh, <laughs> unbeknownst to you, uh, sharing your information with me to get you on the show. And, you know, it's it's amazing to me doing this uh, for going on five years now that inevitably I'm going to come across a story that I've not heard, circumstances that are unique that I've not heard before. And yours certainly falls into that category because you're the first. And, and you said, you know, your doctors kind of echoed that 
that uh, you know a brain metastasis is actually what revealed uh, you know the rectal cancer, and but most importantly, to be able to say you're part of the NED club is spectacular. And um, thank you for sharing your story, and just congratulations on no evidence of disease. And let's uh, continue with those three letters being part of your life uh, from now going forward. Yeah, that's uh, it's another thing, too, like hearing it, you know, hearing that it's it's great. But then, you know, you always have in the back of your mind like this could come back and I'm so fresh out of, you know, treatment and surgery. And it's like it feels like, you know, like not I'm going to say too good to be true, but kind of, you know, but so but I'm trying not to dwell on that. I mean, that's easier said than done. Right. But sure. I'm trying not to dwell on it. I'm really just trying to like figure out like what my life is going to look like, you know, post-survivor, you know, po- post-treatment and in turn to the survivorship and, you know, kind of dealing with all those things that come with that because it's a whole host of, you know, that comes with another set of challenges in terms of, uh, for example, uh, radiation uh, made me go into menopause early. So I'm dealing with that. Of course, I have, you know, neuropathy, um, just uh, hormone replacement is just kind of has changes things too, uh, kind of makes me feel like just kind of out of it sometimes, just adjusting. And then I'm like, oh my God, my brain tumor's back. You know, it's like, no, like it's probably just the hormones. You know, the side effects include, you know, dizziness, headaches. And I'm like, oh, you know, all these things sound like a brain tumor, you know? Oh, goodness. So, you know, I, I, I'm, but I'm hopeful and I, I, you know, I feel good and I had a great team of doctors. So that's, you know, it's, it's encouraging as well. Certainly, certainly. Well, I wish you all the best and thanks for joining us on We Have Cancer. Yeah, thanks for having me. Be well. The Colon Cancer Coalition has wrapped up its Get Your Rear and Gear events for 2019. However, it's not too early to take a look at the calendar going to 2020 because you do have the opportunity to sign up for the upcoming events, including the first two for 2020 that take place late in February, uh, February 23rd in Tucson, Arizona, and February 29th in Austin, Texas. For information on those and future events sponsored by the Colon Cancer Coalition taking place in 2020, visit their website at coloncancercoalition.org. I also want to take this time to wish our listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. Those of you in the United States that celebrate Thanksgiving, find that thing that you have to be thankful for. I know that I am very thankful for the uh, good scan results that I've received over the last couple of months. And I'm especially thankful to all of you for your support of the We Have Cancer Show podcast. Thank you so much for being part of our community. And I wish you and your families a very happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcast, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.